Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Holiness and Holiness Podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. Continuing with parenting, and today in particular is going to be some parenting tips I'm going to share with you that I've shared with the parents of clients, kid clients I've worked with over the years. And um, before I start in with that, just want to remind you to go to the website, sacredhearthealingministries.com. You'll find all kinds of things up there, um, videos and and services and the books I have are available on Amazon, More Than Words, The Freedom to Thrive After Trauma, and Fearless Abundant Life Through Infinite Love. Father David Tickerhoof, my frequent co-host, his book, Evangelizing Catholic Culture, is also available on Amazon. Get in touch with me via the website for parish healing missions, for human and spiritual integration workshops, actually happy to announce that I have an online workshop upcoming. So you can go there to sign up for that. But today let's talk about parenting for connection. I'm going to give you some practical parenting tips and I'm going to, going to read these to you, but also know that they're going to be in the show notes. These things are going to be there. So this may be something that's helpful for you to print off and maybe talk to, um, if you're a mom, talk to dad about this. If your dad talk, listening to this, talk to mom about these, maybe there's just some things you can implement in your home for greater peace. And in order to really be able to imitate how God parents us, because God is the father of all of us. And of course, his whole goal of parenting is parenting for connection. And um, that's something that we talk about all the time, very focused on connection, really see it as the essence of both wholeness and holiness. It's really foundational to both human and spiritual um, maturity and integration. So, so following what I'm going to give you some very practical ways you can approach parenting to give both you and your child a sense of predictability and peace. So if you're a new parent, these are going to be easier than if you've been parenting and then try to make the switch to, to these things. It's normal and natural for a child to test boundaries that are set for them. They're going to test them that much more if you're making a switch to see our, our mom and dad going to really stick to these things. And, and quite frankly, it's just part of how we learn. But eventually a child will learn that the boundary you, you set will hold if you do stick to them. And there will be less and less testing. It's kind of like um, when we drop things intentionally when we're very little, drop them to see what happens when I drop something. And once we see that when it falls to the ground, uh, it, it just lands there and sits there or rolls, maybe if it's round, we know that the law of gravity pertains to us. And so we don't wonder what will happen if we drop something. And so we stop intentionally dropping things just to 
just to see what will happen. So the first in the parenting tips that I have here is to address only the wise and cooperative part of your child from your true self. So let me explain that a little bit. So we all have the ability to be calm, compassionate, and confident, or to operate from an attempt to control things, or to operate from um, kind of a dysregulated emotional place. And what you want to do is remember that the part of a person we address is more than likely the part of the person that's going to respond to us. So if we address the very defiant part of a child, they're probably going to respond to us from a very, in a very defiant way. So for example, what this might look like would be if a child is playing with something in a, in a dangerous way, um, maybe they're throwing something that's close to a window and the window could get broken or um, something, something like that, some way that that's really harmful to them. So if we were to say, stop, don't do that. The child without the understanding of why we're saying that's going to hear that as it's me versus you. And I'm trying to overpower you. That's, that's more than likely how they're going to receive that. Whereas if we say, don't do that, you could get hurt. And I want to keep you safe. We won't be able to keep playing with that it gets broken and it's going to get broken the way that that that's going on. And so let's do it this way so we can keep playing. So you can keep playing. So your toy doesn't get broken. So you don't get hurt. So just basically you can think about it, like to lead with what you have for them instead of what you want from them. Right. It's kind of just like, think about good marketing. What do they, how do they market things to us in commercials or on billboards or that sort of thing? They lead with what they have for us. They don't say, this is going to cost you $20. They say, this is a wonderful product and you really can't live without it. This is going to make your life so much better. So um, that's really what we want to do with a child. We want to address the wise cooperative part of them. Hey, I know you're, I know you're really wise and I know you're really smart and you're a big helper. Help me keep you safe by giving me the ball and let's throw it over here where there aren't any windows instead of over there, that would be a way to address the wise cooperative part of the child, leading with what we have for them instead of what we want from them. The second thing would be, don't make the child responsible for your emotions. We want to relate to the child out of a place of calm, compassion, and encourage him or her to take responsibility for his or her emotions. And so the way we're going to do that, the way we're going to lead a child to be responsible for their own emotions is by being responsible for our emotions. So what that means is don't say things like you make me so angry or you make me so sad or, um, or whatever the case might be as though they have power over our emotions. And so instead, from a place of calm compassion, we want to encourage them to take responsibility for their emotions. So if they have the emotion of anger, if they're exhibiting that, then you want to say something like, I know my, say the child is 12-year-old named Tommy. So say, 
I know my, my big boy is able to take care of this and is able to respond to, to your brother or sister in a calm way. I know it was very frustrating, um, what they did and, but I've seen you be calm and I've seen you be, be brave and, and, um, and be really kind. And I just really want to encourage you to do that. I know that you can help that part of you that feels angry to still do the Christ-like thing and the loving thing in this situation. And see, in that way, we're encouraging that child to take care, um, to rather to behave in, in a good and loving way and not denying their emotions, but empowering them, helping them understand that they are not the emotion, rather they have the responsibility for those emotions and, and can exhibit that in a good way. Really key to all of this is ourselves being calm and assertive. And if we can't be calm and assertive, then we need to stop before we do anything else and address why we can't. If a child challenging my authority rocks me so much to my core that I'm going to scream or lash out in some other sort of inappropriate way. I need to put myself in timeout, take a, take a step back, need to go to the bathroom. That's always a good, a good way to escape a situation without having to explain. Let's go to the bathroom, splash some cold water on your face and get in touch with in what way maybe in the past you were disrespected by someone else in a way that was really painful to you. And maybe being disrespected by a child, um, it takes you back to that same place and, and prevents you from being able to be rational and, and mature in your interaction with the child. Um, we want to also, next thing, affirm and accentuate the positive minute by minute, hour by hour, and day by day. And I'll give you what this looks like. So many years ago, I was doing contract work at an inner city charter school. A lot of the children there um, grew up with lots of brokenness, broken homes and things like that. And I would oftentimes do trauma work with the kids. And I would also get called into classrooms to deescalate situations at times. On this particular, uh, at this particular school, many of the kids I worked with were in the uh in the classes where they had IEPs and, you know, maybe they had some learning challenges and things like that. Now, I remember many times going into this classroom as the kids were coming into the class and I was always kind of dumbfounded. Now I don't have a background in education. My background's in counseling and my undergrads in theology, but I was standing at the door with the teacher as um, the special ed teacher, as these kids were coming into the classroom and so many times the first five or six or even seven kids coming into the classroom would be very orderly and they would be coming in quietly and orderly. And the teacher would just, she would just kind of stand there with her arms folded, not saying anything. And then eventually someone would shove someone else and they would go falling and the desks would tip over and the books would go flying. And then kids would start shoving and yelling and that kind of thing. And then she would say something she would correct the behavior. And I just remember thinking like, why would you not jump in from the beginning? 
in that situation, it wasn't my place to correct the teacher. It was her classroom. I did give her some pointers after the fact, but, but we're going to, the point is with children, we're going to spend energy anyway. We can either wait for them to exact it from us by negative behavior that requires us to, to give attention, or they're going to do it by positive behavior that requires, or at least to which we should respond. If we wait for them to elicit a response from us by negative behavior, we're going to spend so much more energy and it's going to be energy that really feels to us draining and frustrating and heavy, just leaves you with a really heavy feeling. Or we have the option to, um, to affirm and accentuate the positive minute by minute, hour by hour and day by day. So what that would look like in that situation would be the kids coming into the classroom and they're coming in quietly. First couple of kids come in and just, you know, kind of giving them a high five or patting them on the back or, or just a word of affirmation and just saying, great, like, good job. Look how great you guys are coming in, man. You guys are ready to learn. Look how you're coming in so orderly and peaceful. I just love working with, with this class. You're so great. You're so much fun. You're such good kids, right? Then we're putting out energy that's way less draining than correcting. And we're also taking the role of being the leader, which is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be the leaders as the adults, not the responders, simply waiting for a negative situation and then correcting it. Also, another way, um, another thing I've found helpful is to look at it as children fundamentally want to feel safe and want to feel connected. When behavior is oppositional, angry, or defiant, we can simply reassure the person, the child of emotional and physical safety. And in that way, they have a sense of feeling connected, that, that we see them, that we hear them, that we value them, that we're there to protect and provide for them. Maybe if you want to review some of the, um, the pillars of connection that the child feel chosen directly and intentionally related to, that they feel known, which would be seen and heard as if an individual who's very good, that they feel valued meaning that they have inherent value. They don't have to earn it based on looks, money, or performance, or you know, any other kind of random thing that, that we as adults take on, right? That they have inherent value. They automatically have value. They have dignity as children of God. And then that, that they have boundaries, and these boundaries are there to, to protect them and to provide for them. And, and we, as the leaders, as the parents, or mentors, whatever role we're playing as the adult, that, that we have these boundaries there in place. So they are safe. Next thing would be to give free choices between true options whenever that's possible. And then affirm the choice that's made. That way kids learn to make decisions, to make choices. They're not so insecure and indecisive. So free choices between true options that would look like, hey, we're either going to have broccoli or carrots for dinner. Which one, which one do you want? You get to pick tonight. And so then they pick. You're, you're happy if 
with either one. You're to if you're totally fine making either one, then that would be a free choice between true options. Now you probably don't want to say we're going to either have broccoli or popsicles. That wouldn't be true options because you know you're not going to give them popsicles for dinner, right? So free options or free choices between true options. And then if they choose, you know, let's have carrots tonight. You know what? That's great. Carrots go so much better with what I was making anyway. Good choice. See, um, next point, create no fail situations that don't have any other objective than being with the child, being together with them, being with them and being for them. So this would mean it's important to have time where you actually work on developing your relationship with the child that your goal at that point is not to reprimand or to give directives. It's not to say, you know, you haven't been doing your chores or you have a grade in math that you need to bring up. This would be a time just to say, what do you really like? Like what interests you? What do you find fascinating? What do you dream about? What do you, what do you think is really cool? How, how do you look at the world? Like things like that. So you can really give them a chance to, to really begin to reflect on how they see things and really share who they are with you. So they feel known. So they feel that you see and hear them as more than just their performance on their chores or, or on their, their grades at school. Um, the, the next point, and this would be a main point, perhaps, but this is number one, but have and keep clear house rules with clear privileges and clear consequences that both mom and dad enforce. So what this does is it prevents a sense of unknown and unpredictable, both for you as the caregiver and for the kid, right? When we have a sense of predictability, it gives us a sense of safety. And when, and that's as a child, and then as an adult, when we have a sense of predictability, we don't come unglued when, when a child's behaviors aren't, don't hit the mark, right? So little Tommy pulls little Susie's pigtails and we're not screaming because suddenly we feel thrown back on our heels. Like we have to reinvent the wheel and figure out now how to consequence little Tommy. And we're driving in the car down the road and, and traffic is coming and we have so much on our mind and, and a child is sick and we have to make dinner and, and all the different things going on. Instead, we say, really want you to make a good choice. You know, if, you know what happens if you make good choices and you know what happens if you make un unhealthy choices. And um, yeah, I know I don't get, I don't get screen time if I make a bad choice. That's right. I really want you to be able to have screen time, or I really want you to be able to have dessert with the family, or I really want you to be able to play a game with us tonight. So please make a good choice. See, that's how, how God parents us. I set before you life and death. Please, please, please choose life. It's going to be so much easier for you if you do, right? Um, then the next point, focus on affirming and enjoying the child rather than being afraid of the child. Unfortunately, sometimes a child's behaviors can be so dysregulated that parents actually fear the child or being um, afraid for them and wanting to control their behavior. Because fundamentally, the better a person feels about themselves, the better their behavior will be and the more they'll control their own behavior. That's what we're made for. 
is for self-control from a place of self-compassion. We're not made to be controlled by others. That's why we have free will. So again, it's parenting the way God parents us. If we expect a, ch a child to fail, they probably will. There's a quote, I believe it's from Henry Ford, and it says, if you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're probably right. And it's kind of, we can project that onto a child. We can relate to a child in such a way where we think they can't, and it sets them up for failure. But, but con uh, conversely, we can relate to them in a way where we think they can, and we can let them know that. And that can be so encouraging to them that they actually can. The next point, be the leader. This is a review of what I had said before. Don't wait for the child to set the tone for the day. Now, if there's oppositional behavior, we want to directly and immediately with the agreed upon consequences, respond to the situation, but then move on. If we're holding a grudge, then we need to deal with ourselves and what that's about. Kind of going back to my, was I disrespected? And that triggers me back to being disrespected in some way when I was younger or by a boss or, or a bully at school when I was a kid or whatever the case might be. But we're called to forgive. And a lot of times that's even, um, it's even our own children or those we're ministering to as, you know, who are our kids or we're mentoring for, and we have to forgive them. Um, being frustrated is normal. We want to be frustrated with the behavior, not with the child, because if the child becomes frustrated with himself as well, his behavior will only worsen and compound the problem. He's not going to become so frustrated with himself that he says, you know, I'm so deeply sorry. That was really wrong of me. There's, there are very few kids. It's just developmentally, not where they are spiritually, that they would be able to do that. You know, even the Lord, the way he parents us, there's a, a song from many years ago. It's a very old song. And the line says, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O Lord, knowing that you love us no matter what we do, it makes us want to love you too. And that's very much how we need to parent. It's by the child knowing that they're loved no matter what they do, that then later on, they'll have the courage to honestly reflect on maybe whatever naughty behavior they did and come back to us and, and apologize. So finally, um, just know that unaddressed trauma, even traumas that happened in the womb or as an infant can cause many confounding emotional and even behavioral problems. If a child is consistently in crisis, even behaviorally in crisis, that may indicate a need for trauma therapy. So just want to put that out there. So we're not, um, one like going through trying to correct behaviors over and over and over again, and not understanding there can be a root cause for a negative behavior that doesn't respond to, to the normal parenting route. Finally, parenting is so important. Consider that as a parent, even as a godparent, as a mentor to a child, you're imaging God for your child for that child you're called to serve and how we represent the Lord far more than what we say about him will come to be how he or she understands God. It's a really noble calling and it's really crucial to the forming 
of a, a world of peace. May God bless your efforts with his own grace and strength. He who is the father of all of us. And may the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.